What's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my guy Yazin in the house. What's poppin', man? I'm doing pretty good. You know who's not doing pretty good right now? I know we're we're a basketball podcast, but uh, your boy Kylian Mbappe. Ooh, child. Ooh, Yikes. Had, a, had a rough go there at the Euros, so I'm doing much better than him. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I mean, France, and they had a 3-1 lead. I don't know what's going on with 3-1 leads for the last five, six years, but boy, they're definitely not safe. No, not at all. They could have used Rudy Gobert in net, but I mean, geez, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when you know it's pretty bad, right? But yeah, very exciting now that there's too many sports going on right now, which is uh, kind of a bevy of riches. You know, in the morning, in the afternoon, you got to get a little soccer. Then you get some NBA action, Stanley Cup final starting up a little bit. So yeah, a good time to just sit at home and do nothing. No doubt, man. More sports, got to love it. But let's get down to business. I know we've been a very heavily playoff-centric podcast in the last few weeks for obvious reasons, of course. But we will bless the listeners as well as myself who root for teams that did not make the playoffs because the draft lottery took place last week and we got some things to discuss. In addition to that, we'll look into which seems to be another KD beef already. All right, I might be talking too much here. Let me drop this beat ASAP. So on this week's segment of Run That, we will dive into the NBA draft lottery that took place last Tuesday, where the fate of 14 teams were revealed. As it stands right now, there wasn't much movement other than two that I'll be talking about. Firstly, we had your Toronto Raptors jump from the seventh spot to the fourth overall spot. I haven't been this excited since we landed the first overall pick, but let's not talk about the results, all right? Primo (laughs) pasta. Why do you have to bring that up? I have to. (laughs) We also got the Orlando Magic, who had two picks in the top 10, but not one has jumped into the top three. I think they have the fifth pick and the seventh pick, respectively, which is an absolute bummer for the Orlando Magic, but they should be thankful that they at least have two top 10 picks. And then lastly, we got the Detroit Pistons jumping from the second overall pick to the first overall pick. What we know so far from the prospect pool is that the top four are pretty much a lock. You got Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State, Evan Mobley out of USC, Jalen Green from the G League Ignite, and then lastly, Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga. Let's briefly discuss the top four teams in the draft and identify their biggest need as well as which players, as we mentioned previously, will land. Yezin, talk to me. Let's talk Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's funny. For those who kind of know me and my NBA fandom, I'm very big on the draft. Uh, I used to... um, put together mock drafts for nbadraft.net and a couple years you know i was very successful you know top eight out of a couple hundred thousand you know entries and this year for the first year i did not watch the draft lottery live i did not actually know what was going on and obviously that's because the knicks weren't in it normally it's appointment viewing for me to watch the uh, the draft lottery and it's exciting so this time i actually didn't watch it so i didn't actually see the the, the teams that jumped but detroit jumped from two to one um over the uh over the houston rockets and they could not have found a better year to find uh a number one pick they have not picked number one in over 50 years uh so this year i think looking at their roster 
they need help everywhere. They don't have a, a, a superstar. You know, they have a, an almost all-star in Jeremy Graham, uh, Jeremy Grant, excuse me, and really nothing else. Last year, they drafted Killian Haynes, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart, three rookies in the first round. So this year, they get one shot at the number one pick overall, uh, and it's going to be Cade Cunningham. Uh, Cade Cunningham was arguably the top recruit going into this year's class. And then now he's looks like he's going to be the top rated prospect going into the draft. Uh, he's very wiry as a, as a point guard. Um, you know, he gets his shot where he wants to, uh, his, his, his handles are smooth and tight. Uh, he's able to kind of dominate a game, be a focal point. Uh, him and Killian Haynes in the backcourt could be fun. We still have not seen a lot from Killian Haynes. He was injured a lot of the year and we'll kind of you know, moved out of the rotation a little bit for some veteran guys. But Kate Cunningham landing in Detroit is something they desperately needed after they had the mass exodus of uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson and, and Luke Kennard. They really, really wholesale sold that team. So getting Kate Cunningham for them is going to be an absolute win for them. Uh, he's going to be their point guard of the future. Hopefully they treat him right and they put some good you know, players around him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like when you're looking at their talent, they have some talent on their team. It's just that... You know, the first round pick in Killian Hayes last year was limited to injury, right? And I think that right now they need to get a certified bucket getter. And I'm sure everyone knows who I'm suggesting is going to be the first overall pick. Obviously, it's not a shocker like you mentioned. It's Kay Cunningham. I think the one thing people tend to overlook is the fact that he has a 6'8 point guard, quote-unquote combo guard, who will be, simply be a matchup nightmare for smaller guards, right? We're seeing We're seeing a league where a lot of these... Ball dominant guards are roughly between six to six feet two, but you're starting to see a, a wave now of bigger point guards. And despite you know being athletically limited, he can still do it all. He can score in all three phases of the offense. He can play make at a high level. And as per NBA Draft.net, his NBA comparison is of Luka Doncic slash Jason Tatum hybrid. So wow. obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of high expectations for this guy, but uh, I believe Detroit found our guy. And to pair him up, like you said, with Killian Hayes, you got Isaiah Stewart and a few prospects there. I feel like that's a good foundation to start a really good rebuild. And it's all on Dwayne Casey and his coaching staff to truly develop these players and put them in the best position to succeed. That's a weird comparison, Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum, like two completely different players. But diff- different positions uh but i mean that just shows his offensive talent the guy's the guy's a bona fide bucket uh so detroit needs that right now they need a go-to guy uh and i think he's going to embrace detroit and i think detroit's going to embrace him uh, they're the only team that he's going to visit uh during the draft process so it's a virtual lock that he's going to go back to the motor city right all right so let's head on over to houston rockets and to me they have two needs i think that they need someone who can be a floor general as well as someone that can also stay healthy as well. Currently, they have John Wall, obviously acquired from the Westbrook trade. However, the same song is still being played with his healthy status. The dude simply can't stay healthy enough to benefit his teammates. They're going to need a young floor general that could be a part of this team's long-term future. And on the flip side, the second need I feel that Houston is looking for is someone who can be partnered with Kevin Porter Jr., who showed some sparks of James Harden-esque play down the stretch of, uh, of the regular season as another scoring punch on the court. However, Houston is in an awkward spot right now because I think they're at a point where the best player available methodology may be called on draft night. And I believe 
Suggs would be a great fit for that Houston Rockets team. But I feel that they will go with the best player available and they're going to have to select Evan Mobley out of USC. And to describe, you know, the the athlete he is, he's frequently athletic uh, as a big and his ceiling is a Chris Bosh type big. He can score around the paint and has some flashes of stretching the floor. His motor is unmatched and his defensive ability is something worth noting. However, the knock on him is that he has a frame that needs a lot of filling, especially as a big man battling out with grown men down low. That's always been the knock on any big man that's coming out of the draft because newsflash, they're 18, 19 years old, and I'm sure he's going to fill out his frame. In addition to that, his shooting may not pan out the way that some experts feel, but we do see some guys who develop a jump shot and elevate their game to the next level, so we shall see. So my consensus pick for the Houston Rockets is Evan Mobley. How about you? Houston's in a very tough spot, and I think Houston is in their, what I call the the Sacramento Kings uh, effect, where you know, in 2018, uh, you know, Sacramento had, I believe, Buddy Heald. And then when they went into the draft, they selected Marvin Bagley because they didn't want to pick someone who plays the same position as Buddy Heald. Guess who went next? It was Luka Doncic. The rest is history. Probably one of the worst picks of all God time. Marvin Bagley. Mm. Houston might be in that same situation. So if you look at it, Kevin Porter Jr. had a fantastic year, uh, you know, <clears throat> leaving uh, Cleveland. He had his, his legal issues, but... He came to uh, to Houston, and he showed that he's a baller. Uh, he's also, you know, uh, I believe he also went to USC. You know, he was very highly touted in high school. Uh, but he plays that two-guard role, and I think, you know, people are looking to see him as, like, the future there. Same thing with Christian Wood. Christian Wood is a big man. You could put him at power forward. You could put him at center. He had an all-star uh, almost an all-star season, uh, most improved player season. Uh, and now you have two guys in Evan Mobley and Jalen Green of, you know, the G League Ignite who kind of fill the same positions. And now they're kind of left to wonder like, okay, where do I go? Right? Like Jalen Green is, is really, really good. I, I like Jalen Green. You know, he's one of those guys that actually got me to tune into the G League this year, uh, just to watch him play. Um, because he was a highly, highly touted recruit, and he decided to skip it um, to go straight to the G League, and it worked out for him. It was not. It was like people are going to start doing that from now on. So Houston's kind of in a position where, like, you know, do they pick Green and kind of see what happens with him and Porter, or do they go Mobley because he might be a better fit next to Wood? I think at the end of the day, I do think that they go with um, with Mobley only because Bigs. Really talented bigs are actually kind of hard to come by. Uh, if you watch the NCAA tournament, he is just he, – he bounces out of the gym. His The poster he had, I believe uh, – I forget which – I believe it might have been Baylor that he even got the poster up against or, or Oregon or someone like that where you know he, he, got, he gets up there. He's very athletic. He has really good handles for a big guy. Um, his shots, you know, not there yet, but he's not that kind of guy yet. You know, he's, you know, you look at Anthony Davis when he was coming out of Kentucky. It's very eerily similar to Anthony Davis coming out of Kentucky, where he didn't have a shot. He didn't have a three point shot. He developed that later. And like you said, he built out his body later. Um, so I have no fear that he'll do that. So, you know, given how just tall he is, given how athletic he is, uh, given how tenacious he is, I, it's not easy to come by. And you're seeing it now with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, who's, you know, an integral role in that Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, going to the finals almost, could be going to the finals tonight. So uh, I'd probably slot in Mobley now, but 
given how green is, they might live to regret that. Yeah, it's going to be tough what Houston will do. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. Obviously, when you look at Detroit, you know, it's pretty easy. There's, you know, there's a lot in Kay Cunningham. But when you're the Houston Rockets with numerous needs, you don't know which need is more important. So I think it's going to be up to the Houston front office to really figure that out and, yeah. you know, see which player they go with. But if they want to go with the safe pick, I'd probably say go with the best player available. And that is Evan Mobley. So the draft starts at two. Let's just say that. The draft starts at two. You don't have to oh, tune yeah. in for the first pick. We all know who it is. The draft starts at, at the, not the number two pick. And that's when the domino effect starts falling. So uh, looking forward to see what Houston will do. And that will lead to our third team drafting. And that is the Cleveland Cavaliers, who to me have the similar needs as the Rockets when it comes to someone who can score and can get you a bucket, as well as drafting the best player available. Like we all know, they do have a promising young core in Sexton, Garland, and Jared Allen, who is an RFA, but the Cavs will have more than enough to retain him if they do choose. That's the key here. There is some rumbling about Sexton being shopped around, but I will make my prediction solely on the fact that he's still a Cleveland Cavalier. Same with Jared Allen. I think that they go with the best player available and select Jalen Green of the G League Ignite. Green, like you mentioned, Yasin, earlier, he's highly remarked as the purest scorer in the draft. And partnering with him, Sexton Garland, and Jared Allen will accelerate the rebuild quite drastically. In addition to that, he's a freakish athlete who will rise above any defender and can score in all three facets on the court. Some say he has the potential to be a generational talent, but let's see how he does on the court first. What do you think? Yeah, um... You know, this is kind of similar to Houston where, you know what, they have a Jared Allen there. So do they pick Mobley if he's there? They have uh, Sexton and, and Garland there. You know, do they pick Green? I think Sexton's on his way out. Uh, I think uh, he's hitting restricted free agency. He had a really good season this year. He actually, you know, kind of came through and you saw him in a lot of key games. Uh, you saw that when they went back to back against the uh, Brooklyn uh, this past year uh, Sexton proved that he can play he's a tenacious defender but maybe his price tag might be a little too much when you have a guy like Jalen Green coming in or you know maybe they they want to keep Sexton they'll pay him but then Garland gets the boot Garland hasn't really shown up uh, in his couple years uh, in the NBA obviously it's only I believe Garland's going into his third season so you know it's kind of hard to judge him based off of that but you know, one of them is going to go, and I think it's going to make way for Green if he's not taken by Houston. If he's taken by Houston, that changes things. Um, you know, you could go positionally and go Jonathan Kuminga, uh, but you mm-hmm. know, like you said, a team like that needs help uh, everywhere. So even if you have Jared Allen, um, you know, who I like you said is hitting restricted free agency. If Green is gone, you take Mobley. If Mobley's gone, you take Green. It's it's you get whoever Houston doesn't pick. I think it's very simple for them. Uh, Jalen Suggs will give them mm-hmm. a little bit of pause. Uh, you know he'll give them some uh, you know reason to to reconsider. But I think Cleveland's in the best spot now, where they're just going to pick one of the three who falls to them, basically uh, of the three we mentioned. So in this sort of pseudo mock draft that we're doing i guess we're also going to go with Jalen green then uh falling to them and you know i think he has an opportunity man like this guy when i watch him i see Dwayne wade you know i see a guy who's his, it plays in that two guard uh he's fast he's athletic uh you know and he has a lot of room to grow and you know he could be the face of that franchise there in cleveland so give me Jalen green at number three let's just say that houston does take Jalen green second overall what does that do to Cleveland? Because when you have Evan Mobley sliding down 
to the third spot, does it put the Cavs front office in a whirlwind where they're going to have to let Jarrett Allen go in order to bring in a guy like Evan Mobley and still be able to pay Colin Sexton and Garland and keep the band afloat? What do you think about that? This, yeah, that's a big, that's a good question. Like, you know, do you keep Mobley over Allen? I think Mobley's going to be a better prospect than Allen long term. Do you play them next to each other? Like, maybe you, maybe you play Mobley at the four, which is kind of weird. Um, or maybe you trade down. Maybe you trade down two spots, one spot. There's some talk you know? about that too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 perfectly it's perfectly feasible to see. I mean, you have Orlando has two picks uh in in the first round in the top 10 uh and you have um Golden State also has two picks. Um so and the Knicks have three picks. Uh, like a lot of teams have a lot of picks um you know in that first round. And goodness, uh <laughs> um Oklahoma City has half the draft, you know. So someone can move up if Cleveland is listening, but I just, I just think that Cleveland shouldn't be in, in the position where they think they're good enough to, to trade down. No, they should, they should take whoever's available to them and then figure it out later and play the market, play the trades, free agency, do whatever it takes. Just get talent on your team and then decide from there. Yep, that's a fair take. All right, so let's head on over to the last team. Well, 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 who do we have here? Toronto <sighs> Raptors. They got Boy. a top four pick despite a COVID ridden season the with hell? a playoff caliber roster. How convenient. Let's get to it, shall we? Disgusting. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. The Toronto Raptors have their groats. Greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry, heading into free agency at the age of 35, which is well beyond his years. But, you know, 2021, you're starting to see guys aging like fine wine. You see Chris Paul hooping the way he has been the last few weeks. So, the Raptors still have to figure out which direction they want to take into their future. I think the answer is pretty simple for the Raptors with regards to the need with that draft pick because they don't really have a choice. The top three players have been selected, so they will probably select whichever player is left. And as a luxury, they get that player that they want to replace Lowry with, and I believe to be as Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. There's a lot to say about him, right? He's a floor general, elite scorer, good defensive presence, elite playmaker. He's being compared to a Brandon Roy slash Jason Kidd as his NBA comparison. Also, very big for a point guard, standing at 6'5", which bodes well with the Raptors' framework of the players that they sound out for. Like, if you look at a guy like OG Ananobi or even like Norm Powell on the past and Pascal Siakam, they always look for guys that are much bigger than their position states and have a really large wingspan. I think that's what the Raptors framework for a player that they want to bring in looks like. And I feel like he will fit in well with the Raptors culture and program. Uh, so uh, who do you think the Raptors will take fourth overall? Can I just, I'd like to, I'd like to talk to the basketball gods for a second. Dear basketball gods. Hello. Hi. Tiazan. Nice, nice, nice to meet you. Or actually I've met you guys before. I pray to you pretty much every night. The Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA champs. Congratulations. Hope you guys enjoy it. Damn straight. Um, shut up. Um, <laughs> I, I, listen, don't interrupt me while I'm talking to the basketball guys here, okay? <clears throat> anyway, where was I? Yes, 2019 NBA champs. Congratulations. Now, they, they go down. You know, they missed their first, uh, you know, first playoffs. And uh, we're thinking, all right, you know what? This is the start of a rebuild. This is the start of... Uh, you know, them going down a very long and hard journey back to the top. And you bless them with a top four pick in their first draft lottery in years? 
Come on, come on, basketball guys. I was in the the Knicks were in the draft lottery every single year for the past fifteen years, and they never jumped once, except for I don't know R.J. Barrett. I think that actually I don't even think they maybe they did jump. Yes, they jumped to the second pick. Come on, man. The first time they're in the draft lottery and they get four, and they're gonna get a guy like Jalen Suggs, who's most likely. Or any of the other three that we mentioned, which would be a boom for them to replace Kyle Lowry and be the the next franchise player in in Toronto with a young squad. Like, come on! Like, this is just—it's just not fair. It's really just not fair. Uh, yes, they're gonna pick Jalen Suggs if he falls to them. Yes, he's gonna replace Kyle Lowry, and this is—they're uh, probably the biggest winners of this draft lottery. Uh, you know, jumping all the way to the fourth spot. So, congratulations! I hate your fan base. Thank you. Well, that was very well said, yes, and I appreciate that. But uh, there was actually some speculation today with regarding the Raptors and the draft where the Golden State Warriors are looking for some star talent to add to their roster. And there was some talk that they might be dangling James Wiseman and the seventh overall pick for Pascal Siakam as a framework. And I wonder what you think of that because that's a pretty interesting trade. And I don't know if Raptors fans would want to take that. But personally, for me, I'd take it in a heartbeat, knowing the fact that the Raptors do have the fourth and seventh overall pick, plus a promising prospect in James Wiseman, who barely had any run in Golden State to begin with. So no one can really knock him down for that. And to join a team that is, you know, highly reputable for player development, I feel like bodes well for the Raptors organization. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think it was reported by John Hollinger, the uh, athletic uh, the, the seventh pick and James Wiseman for Pascal Siakam. Um, I think that's like, it's to me, it's kind of hard, right? Where Siakam had one bad year. You know, he had one really mm-hmm. good year, got that extension, and then he had one bad year. He's still very young. I think he's still under the age of 25. Um, oh, no, he's, he's, he's old, man. I oh, think is he older? I'm pretty sure he's 27. Okay. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, well then that changes things a little bit, which yeah, is twenty seven years old. Crazy to think that a twenty seven year old is now kind of expendable, but here we are. Um, <clears throat> but you know, uh, well, if, if that's the case, then then yeah, I think this is a great move for them. Uh, not only do they get James Wiseman, who was the number two pick overall last year, if I'm not mistaken, out of um, Memphis, uh, and getting the seventh overall uh, seventh overall pick with the fourth overall pick. And you're getting off of his contract, of uh, Siakam's contract. That's a big, big, giant contract that is just going to eat up a lot of space. Uh, it'll give them a lot of room to maneuver and, and, and maybe jumpstart that rebuild a little bit. You know, maybe it's not much of a rebuild. You, let's say you come in, you bring in a guy like Jalen Suggs at number three, or number four, excuse me. Uh, number seven. Uh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes as a wing. You can bring in Davian Mitchell, who was the uh, champion from Baylor. Uh, he's a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Pair him with OG Ananobi, and then you have uh, Fred VanVleet and, and Gary Trent Jr. kind of there, you know. And then you have Wiseman at the at the center position. I think you can do some moves there, man. Like I think you can make Fred VanVleet expendable. Uh, you can make Gary Trent Jr. expendable too. Yeah, they're still kind of young, but like you know, their their contracts might be you know worthy of 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 a team that wants to really make a big splash and you know maybe you go all in on the complete youth movement you get all guys under the age of you know 25 26 years old so uh if the first domino is pascal it's a good move for golden state for sure i mean they got a guy who just kind of fits in right there it's exactly what they need and they only give up with you know wiseman in the seventh but they're here to win now so makes sense for them for the Raptors. exactly 
I think it could work. I think it could work. I don't know if the uh, NBA faithful, the Raptors faithful, will, will like that deal. Um, but those who kind of know the game and have studied the game will see that it might pay off more in the long run. Yeah, and everyone needs to know that Masai Ujiri could care less about loyalty. He cares about winning. You already saw with the DeMar DeRozan Kawhi trade, and you see how that paid off. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to make a bold move like that. But the Raptors clearly have avenues in which they can pursue and you know put this team in the right direction. So the flexibility and the versatility of doing so is definitely a huge benefit, and that starts off with that first overall pick. So kudos to them, and I'm really looking forward to see uh, what's at play there at number four. And trust in Masai. Just whatever he wants to do, trust in Masai. This guy was able to create a franchise roster that won a championship, so uh, he can do no wrong. Unfortunately, he can do no wrong. So if he wants to make that deal, then you know it's the right deal to make. All right, let's head on over to our next topic of Run That. Here we go. Another KD beef. Are you serious, my brother? We sure as hell ain't complaining, that's for sure. It just gives us at Game Point Pod more content to discuss. And you're probably wondering, what is it this time? We got you covered. So to recap, we're all witnesses to KD's greatness over the last three games of the series against the Bucks, where... He had that historic 49-17-10 game in Game 5. And one of the most miraculous shots that he took to tie the game late in the fourth quarter of Game 7. However, some people were so fixated on the shot KD took in overtime, which he airballed. And specifically, Scottie Pippen, and this is what he had to say about it. KD tried to beat the Milwaukee Bucks instead of utilizing his team. You see what I'm saying? LeBron James would have figured out how to beat them, and he wouldn't have been exhausted, and he may not have taken the last shot. But LeBron ain't KD, and KD ain't LeBron. KD's a shooter and a scorer, but doesn't have what LeBron has. He needs to learn how to utilize his team. He has to learn how to set up his teammates to be better. That's it. As great as he is, there's a cap on his talent. We already know that KD ain't no slouch. And clap back at Scottie Pippen saying the following. Didn't the great Scottie Pippen refuse to go in in a game for the last second shot because he was in his feelings that his coach drew up a play for a better shooter? As you can tell, there are some haymakers being thrown by KD. What are your thoughts, Yasin, on this beef? And do you think Scottie Pippen has crossed the line with what he said about KD? Uh, <laughs> that's my reaction to this. Uh, I Listen, as much as I hate the Nets... Gosh, I love Twitter KD, all right? Tw- KD wakes up in the morning, and he just he just chooses violence, all right? He doesn't shut up, which is beautiful to see. Uh, I don't know how many beefs we've covered from KD thus far this year, but it, it, it's growing. We need, a, we need a recurring KD beef segment. You know, last year, the, the last dance exposed Scottie Pippen for, you know, that moment where he refused to come in um, because... You know, Phil drew up a play, I believe it was for Tony Kukoc, who is not arguably was a better shooter than Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was not a shooter, people. Um, Scottie Pippen, now, okay, let's, Scottie Pippen's no slouch. He's one of the greatest 50 players of all time. And, you know, when a lot of people will say, oh, Michael, Michael. Scottie Pippen was an all-star when Michael was gone. Scottie Pippen made, you know, he took the, the Bulls to the playoffs when Scottie, uh, when Michael Jordan was gone. Uh, he's a former all-defensive team selection he's a easy 22 points a game guy like he's no slouch this guy was the point forward after magic johnson you know he was a tall power forward didn't really have much of a shot but he got his his game you know think of ben simmons but kind of better i would say actually definitely better than ben simmons but against the sort of same archetype but he's no shooter 
He's not, he's not going to be called on in the last second to take a shot. That's John Paxson. That's Steve Kerr. That's Tony Kukoc. Uh, that's Michael Jordan. Anyone else is going to be called on. So KD's 100% right. Like, this is a guy who, who's, he's, they're not the same player. KD and Scottie Pippen are not comparable. And then today, Scottie Pippen went on uh, a radio show. I don't know whose it was. Uh, and he claimed that Phil Jackson was racist for not putting him in. No, sir. That's wild. Phil Jackson is not racist for not putting you in. Phil Jackson just knows that you, you're not his best shooter. You're not his second best shooter. You're probably not his third best shooter or his fourth best shooter. That's why you were not getting the play drawn for you. So Katie's 100% right. You know, respect to Scottie Pippen, you know, for being one of the greatest of all time. Uh, you know, his comparison with, with LeBron, it's almost like he was talking about himself. You know, he's like, KD isn't what LeBron is. Well, okay, well, Pippen isn't what KD is. KD isn't what Pippen is. They're completely different players. Uh, so I don't know what Pippen is going off about. Maybe it's because his wife divorced him and left him for Malik Beasley, who's like half her age. But we're not going to go into the tabloids. We're not going to go into the tabloids. You can search that up <laughs> yourself. It's a wild, wild story. Maybe maybe he's trying to get some press for his son, who, uh, who is going to, I believe he's going to Vanderbilt this year. Uh, or maybe he's entering the draft or something like that. So, Scottie Pippen, I love you. We share the same birthday. You know, brothers there. But lay off a little bit. You know, you got you to gotta cool it. KD, KD comes and he, he doesn't miss, man. He doesn't miss. On or off the court. No, that's a fact. I think that Scottie Pippen is still salty about the fact that KD was rocking a Tony Kukoc jersey last offseason during a workout and not his jersey. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe <laughs> that, you know, KD is regarded as one of the greatest players ever. Not just top 50, but one of the greatest players. Maybe, you know, Pippen is is mad about the documentary. Maybe Pippen's mad that he didn't make as much money as KD. Uh, well, I mean, we all know about that dumb contract that he signed in the, in the 90s. That's his fault. So who knows? Scottie Pippen's always salty. He went after Shaq before. Shaq crushed him. Now he's going after KD. Listen, Scotty, just enjoy your endorsements, enjoy your family, uh, and just just lay low, man. Just lay low. All I'm saying is that it's pretty obvious when you see the Nets and their offense during the playoffs that Scotty Pippen is so-called criticizing. You know, when you look at the, the supporting cast, no one was hitting shots and no one wanted the moment. The perfect example was Joe Harris. He had countless clean, wide-open threes down the stretch in Game 7 which he clanked. James Harden, same thing. He would be dribbling, dribbling, dribbling on the logo and then handing it off to Katie and hiding in the corner. And I think those two, Joe Harris and James Harden combined, I think it was like two for 26, something ridiculous like that from three, which obviously doesn't help, especially in an elimination game where Katie, you know, really has to do something in order to put this team in the best position to win. So I don't blame Katie for having such a heavy usage rate at, the, at that point. Also, Let's just keep it simple, short and sweet here. LeBron ain't hitting those shots KD hit during Game 5 and Game 7. KD is also not going to give up in multiple games in the series. He's still going to fight to the very end. So I'm not trying to hear from Scottie Pippen and the BS that he's trying to spew about KD. I know for a fact that Scottie Pippen is just trying to promote his book, which is why he was out there saying ridiculous headlines such as, Katie ain't a team player and you know Phil Jackson is a racist like I mean come on like this guy's just trying to promote his product let's not give him attention let him be let him be salty but at the end of the day if we're speaking basketball and we're seeing what Katie has done for that Brooklyn Nets who didn't really replicate the same effort that he put in 
Katie had to take matters into his own hands and try to propel this team as, as best as he could and ultimately came up short. So rather than focusing on the negatives, focus on the positives and the fact that Katie was able to entertain us as NBA fans up until the final seconds of an OT in Game 7 against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, you put, you put the ball in your best scorer's hands, period. What do you mean he's not a team player? He's the best scorer on the team. He's the guy you look – he's the Michael Jordan of his team. huh? See, get it, Scotty? Is it starting to make sense to you now? You put the ball in the hands. You live and die by your superstar, by your all-star, by your all-NBA guy. That's KD. And when his guys weren't hitting shots, he was taking those shots. And guess what? He was hitting them. Just because he missed that last one does not mean – did he not see that he hit the game tying one, which could have been a game winner had his foot been a little bit shorter and he was wearing actual size shoes, which we deduced was true? You know, listen, you put the ball in the best scorer's hands. KD was on fire. You know what? It's kind of just put it in his hands and, and clear out, man. Let him do it. You live and die by him. That That's it. You, no one takes the blame except for him, you know, and he, he gets the shot. He gets the moment. So, you know, Scotty's Scotty's got a layoff, man. KD was supposed to get the ball in that moment, and he did. Didn't score. It is what it is. He's still one of the greatest scorers of all time, one of the greatest players of all time. So let's leave it at that. He's going to do it again next year, and he's going to prove him again. So, mm. Yeah, there's nothing more I can really say about that. Scotty Pippen, just sell your book. You don't have to say anything reckless. Just keep it pushing, okay? All right, let's head on over to our final topic of run that, which is coming out of Philly, where we thought that the drama was dying down, but we were absolutely dead wrong. After their shocking loss to the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Semis, the Sixers has been in a spin cycle as rumors are swirling about Ben Simmons being shopped. Over the last few days, there has been so many trade rumors that I decided it was our duty on GamePoint Pod to touch on this topic and discuss potential destinations for Ben Simmons and where he can succeed. Yes, and I hit off to you. Briefly tell us a destination and why. Oh, man, uh, this Ben Simmons story is very sad. Um, today, it, it, uh, it was announced that he's not going to play for Australia uh, in the Olympics because he, quote, wants to work on individual skills. Individual skills. That means he knows he can't shoot. So he's going to spend the whole summer shooting again, which we discussed that ad nauseum about how much he's shooting. So now, you know what? I think the reason why he's avoiding Australia is because Brett Brown is the head coach of Australia. So maybe it's going to be a quite awkward summer. So he might as well just work on his skills. I think it's more of a scapegoat Ooh, decision. That is also a good point. Did not, I did not know that Brett Brown was the coach of Australia. So yeah, he's avoiding any sort of criticism whatsoever and any sort of awkwardness. So where does he go? Okay. He has a big contract. It's going to be hard to move him. Uh, they're going to request a lot for him, but his value tanked so badly. Um, I did see a rumor today, and I think this might actually work for both teams. Uh, Minnesota apparently really covets him, and they really think that they want him, and they want him at any cost. Um, and, you know, last year they drafted Anthony Edwards, uh, and they kind of made D'Angelo Russell a little bit expendable. So I think a combination of... You know, D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons with whatever filler roster picks you need. I believe um, George Hill I saw was in uh, in one of the trades and Malik Beasley. I think any trade centered around Russell and um, Simmons might work for both teams. Why? Because for Philly, you get a guy, you get a three-level score. This is, again, what we were talking about, three-level score, D'Angelo Russell. Ice in his veins. He's a bucket. The guy can get points. Uh, and he can make 
you know, life easier for Joel Embiid because he can find him. He, he's very good at finding guys. You know, you saw him and Cat. They didn't really play much, but they kind of that same dynamic. Uh, and for for Minnesota, I mean, now you have Anthony Edwards kind of maybe playing a lead guard role, maybe moving him down to kind of a guard role and allowing Ben Simmons to kind of flourish uh, in that system. You know, and just give him a fresh new start, right? Benzeman is going to be hard to find a place for him to play, man. Like, if he really thinks he's a point guard, which I don't think he is, it's going to be hard for him because now he's going to be expected to be a shooter. He's going to be expected to be, you know, a guy who can be an offensive threat outside of the paint. And if he's a point guard, I mean, it's going to be a little hard for him. So maybe you kind of give Anthony Edwards the reins there and say, hey, you be the guard and like kind of, We'll figure out what we do with Ben Simmons. We move him here, move him there, put him in the post, you know, allow him to work off cat. I think that works good for both of them. I think both teams win out there and, and, uh, and they get a player that they both need. So a uh, fresh new start for Ben Simmons. D'Angelo Russell goes to, to Philly and becomes a three level scorer. And, and I think that that could be an option there. Yeah, no doubt. I really like that destination for Ben Simmons as well as uh, D'Angelo Russell in Philadelphia. I feel like they're both fantastic fits. You look at D'Angelo Russell and his playmaking ability, you know, with a guy like Joel Embiid, that's definitely going to bode well for that Philly offense. And then if they are able to surround themselves with additional shooters, that's definitely going to be something worth noting, that's for sure. One interesting dark horse destination that I've noticed online was Ben Simmons to the Indiana Pacers. And the, the trade would be Ben Simmons to Indiana for Malcolm Brogdon and either TJ Warren or Jeremy Lamb. And at first I was like, yeah, but as time went on, when things started to marinate a little bit, this deal somehow made sense for both teams involved. When I looked at it, when you're looking at the Indiana Pacers, you're getting a legitimate potential superstar, even though he has his postseason struggles, he's still 24 years old. And I feel like Rick Carlisle in as head coach can maybe help develop him into becoming a more better player and in addition to that i feel like he would fit great alongside sabonis even though sabonis likes to work down low sabonis still has exceptional range more range than joel Embiid by slight margin but also has a great passing ability for a big man which would benefit you know ben simmons they can kind of switch play high low a little bit and simmons doesn't have to really change his game that much if it's such a big problem that he doesn't want to shoot so, you know, I, I feel like Rick Carlisle with a couple guys like Karis LeVert, Sabonis, you know, Doug McDermott and, and team, I feel like would be really nice. And then on the flip side, the Sixers will get an incredible pass first point guard in Malcolm Brogdon. Fits perfectly in their system with Joel Embiid. He can also shoot the ball and he's more than capable of, of being a high level defender. And then plus Lamb or Warren can be another piece off the bench or even in their starting role where they could be another scoring threat, uh, which they desperately lack because obviously Seth Curry was basically the second best player on the team. When you bring in Jeremy Lamb or TJ Warren, they can kind of take that spot and allow Seth Curry and others to be more potent than they are right now. So I feel like those two destinations are definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, for, for Ben Simmons, any destination not Philly is good for him. Probably a smaller market. So the two teams we picked are pretty good because you kind of want eyes off him a little bit. I don't think he, he's built for that limelight. Um, Brogdon and Warren, I think that could actually work very very well for, for Philly. Uh, it just gives them more more, more firepower and, and more guys that they can work off of. Uh, so, yeah, the Ben Simmons dilemma is going to be one that we're going to have to track this offseason. It's going to be one that uh, is, is not going to end well for, uh, for Philly. We shall see.
All right, so that wraps up Rundat. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? I'm not going to lie to my listeners here. I literally picked out my AO Moment right before we started recording this episode. But this AO Moment, I'm sure, will be shared by a lot of NBA viewers and NBA fans over the course of the playoffs. And that is the refs, once again. This is maybe like the fifth time they've been on AO Moment of the Week. And I'm starting to get pretty tired of it. And... You might ask, where is this coming from, Bata? Well, just wait here for a second and let's talk about the game last night. Game three between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks, where for the duration of the game was pretty exciting to say the least. Awfully close. Both teams are throwing haymakers at each other. And Atlanta had a slight lead halfway through the third quarter where Trey Young was handling the ball on the 45. And as he was trying to retreat, and attack the defender as he retreated he slipped was it a wet spot nope was it another player nope it was the ref's oh, foot come on oh come it was on. the ref's foot why the hell is the ref standing at the court why oh is he why God. is he not standing on the sidelines like where the coaches are where they're not interfering with the players why is Trey Young's foot being slipped off of by the ref's foot to me, that's questions that need answers. Okay? I'm going to ring the alarm on that one. No, no, don't feed into that. No way. No. He's, he's part of the court. He is part of the court. The what is he part doing when court. he knows the players are crowded in a, in a corner, especially the 45 to the corner three, is awfully tight, right? That's why you see bench players not sitting right close to the line. You give these players on the court space. And the ref, I understand, it was an accident. It's not on purpose, but they still deserve an AO moment of the week because Trey Young is now hurt and could potentially derail this series because I think he is questionable to play in game four with a bone bruise in his foot. To me as an NBA fan, I just frankly don't appreciate that. So someone has to be blamed for it. And it's got to be those refs. I just think you have an eternal beef with referees. I think this is what it is. I think you need to go see a therapist or a psychiatrist or someone (laughs) to really deep down figure out your hatred for those zebras, man. Because I've seen it live and in person. uh, And now I've seen it here on AO Moment of the Week several times. You just do not like referees, sir. Come on. You can't put that at AO Moment of the Week, man. He, He was part of the court. And it's an accident. Listen, people no, tripped can't. over more people. Like NBA players have tripped over everybody. Cameramen have tripped, you know, walked into you know uh, people selling beer. Like it's happened all the time. But NBA players, yeah, but players, that's when they're going for the ball when the ball's going out of bounds. But like, and, and yeah, but just standing there. It's because he's he's You're part of moving. the court. You don't have you, like no. I'm saying like you don't have sixth sense where like you know if someone is like charging towards you naturally your instincts are is to move backwards he just uh, you, stood there do you want this ref to would you want to know his 40 time too like do we need to put him through a combine like hell yeah it, it, gotta, I, it's not it's like he's, he's part of the court man you know it's on the players to to have court awareness too okay yeah it's on the refs to have court awareness too yes um but it's the player's role to get out of the way it's kind of the same thing in soccer the refs are not literally in the play, but if the ref gets hit by a ball or trips into a player, that's on the player, you know? And it's always on the player. Same thing in football. And whenever the the ref is in the field, in the line of vision, it's the ref's job to get out of the way as much as possible, but it's also the player's job to notice 
where the referee is. So that's on Trey Young. Uh, I, 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 I give the refs a lot of uh, crap a lot of the time. This one's not on the ref. But you know, we'll put him on the AL moment of the week because, because Trey might be injured for the next game, a uh, pivotal game for uh, against Milwaukee. So, you know, if he's hurt. this rough gonna... apologist here. Get out of here with that. Sir. <laughs> Sir. I'm just calling it down the middle, man. I am calling it down the middle. Me and refs, listen, I've watched enough basketball games, enough Knicks games that hate refs, and this one was just not a ref fault. So uh, that's my two cents there. But my AO moment of the week is actually a good AO moment of the week. It's the final sequence of that game two of Phoenix versus uh, LA, the Suns versus Clippers. You know, we thought the Clippers were were headed towards a win. It looked like it. Uh, they were going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and then, you know, the final two kind of possessions, um, you know, we see Devin Booker lose the ball out of bounds, um, which also, I mean, Jeff Van Gundy and, 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 and those guys had a, had a gripe against how he lost the ball because I guess Patrick Beverly forced the ball out of bounds or forced the ball out of Booker's hands, but Booker's the last one to touch it. So, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth as to why, you know, that call was made. But then on the next possession, Paul George misses two crucial free throws. Pandemic P no more. Apparently his new name is Polyester P because he's just not built for this. According <laughs> to Shannon Sharp. Oh, come on, man. You miss two just free throws to ice the game. And then what happens on the next play? This is really my AO moment of the week is the beautiful alley-oop with like almost no time left on the clock, Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton, just drawn up so beautifully. Devin Booker puts a screen on Batum, frees up uh, Ayton, Ayton grabs it, dunks it with enough time left, no foul, no call. Everyone is going wild, and they win that game. And now here they are up 3-1 in the series. I mean, gosh, it was a thing of beauty to see. And then just everything going into it, the, the Booker turnover to the uh, missed free throws by Paul George to the dunk by Aiton was just absolutely incredible. Uh, so for the first time, I've actually had a good AO moment of the week, not a like a what the heck kind of moment. It was more like a oh my God AO moment of the week. Like this is awesome, man. Just that those three possessions in a row, whew, you can't ask for anything better. This guy's just a good guy, Greg, out here, man. I listen. I, I, I'm, I'm capping for the refs. You know what I'm saying? I'm capping for just good basketball. You know what? This is what happens when when you watch basketball and you don't have a horse in the race, man. You just enjoy it. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> life. When I'm not losing hair, I'm not stressing out. Like I'm just watching. It's cool. I guess that's true, but still, <laughs> these refs. Anyway, you know what? I might just change AO mode of the week to come on ref of the week. And just talk about like the most outrageous calls by refs. Maybe I should Ooh, just change that. Maybe we should get a referee on here and <laughs> uh, and get them to say their piece. We'll find a local referee from a gym somewhere around here. No, 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 not not a local one. Let's get oh, you want Donnie an NBA on ref. You oh, all Don, Don here on there, bro. Come on, oh, holla at your boys. Listen, we'll, we'll we'll buy the book, man. We'll buy the book. <laughs> Give us a few tips on betting, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right, so that wraps up AMO of the week. Thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore on Twitter. We are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts or whichever platforms you listen to. Add reviews if you can. That would be greatly appreciated. Yazin, is there anything you'd like to add before we sign out? 
No, sir. Keep it going. Bring us some good reviews and some likes, man. Yeah, man. Push the likes, shares. Gas us up, man. You know, they talk about Hot Boy Summer. Let's get Hot Podcast Summer here at Game Boy Pod. Let's do this, all right? So with that said, we'll end it off. That's game.